0: Uh, hi, I'm Ross Ramsey, I'm the executive editor of the Texas Tribune. Thank you for coming to the second annual Trip Fest. Uh, I hope there'll be a lot more of these, they're a lot of fun to do. Um, the morning's panel starts two tracks um, that are gonna be interesting today. Um, one of them is a series of legislative sessions. As you know, we've got six events in six tracks, and we scheduled legislative things so that if you wanna follow legislative stuff, you can just go across the board kind of in a diagonal. So that's one track, the other one, of course, is transportation and trade. Coming later in the day, uh, in this very room, they'll have sessions with um, former Continental CEO, Gordon Bethune, um, Texas transportation czar, Phil Wilson. He loves being <laughs> called a czar, I think, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, panels on the future of trade, on paying for roads, and on light rail. Uh, there's play, too, at uh, food trucks on the UT South Mall for lunch, that's always fun. Um, sorry about the weather, uh, but you know you'll have to muddle through. And this evening at 5, there's a festival garden party that they were promoing up here over at uh, Schultz Garden, live music, and I am told there will be (laughs) frosty beverages. So uh, if you would turn off your phones, we'd appreciate it. If you leave them on to tweet or whatever, uh, that's great. Uh, Use the hashtag TribuneFest if you're doing that. Um, I'll keep the introduction short. You know most of these guys, uh, and we can get to talking that way. Uh, Drew Darby of San Angelo serves on both appropriation and transportation committees in the House. Robert Nichols of Jacksonville is on the Senate Transportation Committee and is also a former commissioner of, was it the highway department then or transportation? Texas Department of Transportation. Okay, so it still, it was TxDOT. Um, Larry Phillips of Sherman, chairs the House's Transportation Committee, and Kirk Watson is the former mayor of Austin, and I'm told worked on some transportation issues with the former commissioner when the former commissioner right. was commissioner. Sure so. did. Um, how we first knew each other. So um, if you'd welcome them, we'll get started on this thing. You know, kind of the overarching question here is, you know, and we can just kind of roll through this, is um, what's facing us this session on transportation and and what are we going to be able to do? Um, You know, there's sort of a difference, there's always a difference between what you want to do and what you can do and what the, what it looks like. So you want to jump in on that? I'd be glad to.
1: Uh, Chairman Phillips and I have been basically taking a tour of Texas. describing our current transportation system and uh, and the challenges that we're faced with. Uh, there, there's an issue about uh, we, we've lived off our credit card. We've uh, had uh, Prop 12, Prop 14 bonds, and we've issued $17 billion in debt since 2001 to finance our roads. Our, our, our income stream has basically remained static since uh, 1991, <laughs> when the fuel tax was last raised. Uh, uh, but motor vehicle registration fees were last frozen in 1985. So we we have a a consistent stream of money. However, a dollar in 1991 is only worth 62 cents because of inflation and and construction costs. So the challenge is we have a almost static revenue stream, we have about 5 million more people using our roads, several million more cars. And and again, our income stream has has plateaued out. Uh, we've used our credit card, there's no more uh, bonds. The, the challenge is in 2014, there's, there's no new mo- money for roads in Texas. We'll have enough to barely maintain the roads that we have, but there are no new road money. And so that's, that's the message. It's almost like we're uh, enacting Paul Revere's ride, but we're not saying the British are coming, we're saying the potholes are coming.
0: Do we actually have the money to maintain the roads we've got now? Uh,
1: with paying back the bonds, with interest, uh, with with uh, again escalating uh, my mi- uh, lane miles uh, we don't have enough money to cover the roads in their current condition right. least acceptable is the phrase that Techstot uses we have enough money to make sure they're the least acceptable
0: is this is this all gloomy
2: yeah. Uh I is think it, that, well it, the, it, the the future of Texas is right uh, one of our problems uh, with our success and growth is the congestion primarily in the urban areas and uh, how to move uh, freight efficiently as we continue moving forward. But uh, as he was saying, the last real revenue increases the highway system has had in Texas uh, was over 20 years ago, 1991. Uh, I think most of that got allocated to other areas at the time. And so as the legislature realized the shortfall in funding they were facing on roads in the late 90s, uh, early, you know, 10, 12 years ago, they began looking at tools. Are there any other tools we can use? And the uh, legislature created a basket of tools, uh, expanded tow roads, uh, uh, different ways uh, creative to get private equity, and things like that. Uh, bonding, uh, as uh, he was mentioning, uh, and now we're paying those bonds. Uh, but we still need to expand the roads. And so the legislature has got to tackle how we're gonna fund transportation and best to fund it in a way that expands with our economy and not just kick the can down the road for a few more years, uh, but a, a real long-term solution.
0: Is there any appetite out there for more money for roads, Mr. Phillips?
3: You, you know, I think this, the, there's a couple struggles struggles When we talk about these issues, one of the struggles is the fact if you come to North Texas, there's a lot of construction going on, and that's because. uh, And and I'm up, I'm up on what what we're going to do. We're going to have to do it. Uh, Texas is a great state, and we've got great opportunities, and I think we can rise to the challenge. Uh, And it may take a while. We're going to have to educate the public that we're about to run out of money because we've done some success, some pretty amazing stuff. With the funds that we've had, we've taken some of that bonding money, and the and multiplied it. You know, we talk about 17 billion dollars worth of, of, of bonds that we've issued, uh, and and part of that is also the motor the uh, the uh, uh, Texas Mobility Fund, which has some dedicated fees going towards that already. Your driver's license fees, your and, and other fees like that. Uh, but the the question is in North Texas, people can say, well, we. We've got a lot of money out there because we're building a lot of roads. I mean, it's amazing what's happening there. I know in the, the towards the Houston area there's construction going on in other places. So we've done amazing things by taking the funds we've had and multiplying it in different ways using these tools. Uh, so we're going to have to educate the, commu- the, the state that we do have this issue coming. And it's coming rather quickly. And uh, we, we've got to all be a part of that process. Uh, the under- overlying issue is that the the, the main source that we relied on, the motor fuels tax, is a declining revenue. It actually has decreased, even with the, the expansion of the population over the last decade. Uh, it's now probably gone up a little bit this year. Uh, and that has to do with the, the price of the gas, obviously, per gallon, and the, um, the, the, the fact that people are being more conscious about what they do, and the cars are, are more fuel efficient. Electric cars obviously don't pay any motor fuels tax. Well, that's not just Texas' problem. That's a national problem. And so, what are we going to do to replace or come alongside the motor fuels tax? That's going to be a real challenge. And I think it's a national question that needs to be answered because the the 18.4 cents a gallon that you paid that goes to the federal government, and they they have that same issue. So, do all the other states. They're all seeing that this is a declining revenue. What do we do? So that's a challenge
0: did anybody jump in and do this right did any Is there another state that you look at and you go you know they can build all the roads they want i mean well
4: i't don't, I don't know if that's the case. I will tell you I think that what you're hearing with these three leaders on the issue is that while Texas has done some things very well and there's some things we can be proud of, we can do a, we can do a whole lot better and and I think there are a couple of points about that. One is we uh, for too long, particularly as we go out I, I listen to his very important point about the education. I think for too long, our leaders have, have uh, actually set us back on how we go about educating. It's almost as though they have told the public you can have something for nothing. Uh, and, and, and one of the, the problems with that is it's, it's uh, put us in a situation where overall budgeting, and then specifically with regard to transportation, we have found ourselves where we're far too reliant upon what I've called debt, diversion and and denial in this case. Uh, We have sort of denied that this rapidly growing state needs the additional resources and in fact the political dogma has been we can do this with what we have. In fact the way you started your question was interesting what what we should do and what we can do. Well we've defined uh, can do as really something far less than what we really can do. Um, the, The the other part about that is that we've diverted a lot of money. We diverted across the board in the budget uh, from general revenue dedicated funds to different things, which I've talked about quite a bit, but in the area of transportation, uh, we've also done that as well. We, the, the, the Fund 6 money that people think will be going to transportation projects, it's going to other things, and pretty much before every session. The leadership stands up and says, we must stop this. This is wrong. And they get all the political good feelings out of that. And then nothing happens with it. So part of what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to recognize that you shouldn't get the benefit, political benefit, of being very visionary. And here's what we should do. Here's what the goals ought to be. Here's what our great needs are. And then turn right around and get the political benefit of saying, "We are not going to do certain things because ultimately that's on a collision course." And I think we're seeing the front end of that collision
0: course. Are we building this stuff? There's there are projects going up all over Austin, all over other parts of the state. Um, are we building it wrong? Are we building it? You know, um, you mentioned building a credit card and kind of running up debt. Is is this the way you would have built roads if you if is this the best way Texas to do it? And does it put us in a does that put us in a hole itself?
1: Well, sure it does. Yeah. Uh, Texas uh, built the finest road system in America. If, if, if your family has traveled any place in America outside of Texas, you you've come back saying, thank goodness we're back in Texas with our good roads. And and we paid as you went. Uh, we we've had a fuel tax since the early 20s 1923. So the the idea that we're paying fuel tax uh, now more than than uh, we have in the past is just not true. In uh, 1927, the, the fuel tax was uh, uh, three cents, but the price of gasoline was 15 cents. So, uh, Senator Watson's correct, the 20 cents that we collect, only 15 cents goes into fund six, and the, the other nickel goes for education. And it does go to education. Uh, the reality is we spend about $1.1 and over the biennium to fund, tax, uh, to fund DPS. Well, is that a good state function? Sure, it is. We need uh, policing and protection on our highway system. But uh, to get back to your question, the the idea that uh, we we paid as you went, but politically we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from having uh, uh, access to the finest road system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually pay the cost to access that fine that fine system, and so. Somehow we've got to get back to, if you want to use our road system, and everybody does every day, mm-hmm. uh, then there's got to be a commensurate uh, charge for that. And, and we've, we've gotten away from what truly really costs.
0: But if I'm a voter and I look at this thing and I say, you know, I've been price sensitive, don't raise my taxes, don't do these fees. And I do want roads. Well, they're building a bunch of roads. I can get around and they didn't raise my taxes. I mean, I mean if, you're, if you're selling this to me. There's an
2: opportunity cost. There. What's, not, what's mm-hmm. not working here? uh in the urban areas uh five o'clock when people are stuck in traffic and they don't can't get across town mm-hmm. and they're just sitting there frustrated because somebody has not solved that problem uh, i don't think they're just sitting back thinking everything's fine uh, uh, most people uh, just want to get home and use the highways to conduct business uh, uh, we're responsible for looking forward in time to see where that cliff is where the funding that's building these new projects disappears, and we are rapidly approaching that. We've exhausted the uh, uh, traditional revenue streams. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have borrowed up to the hilt. Uh, we've got general obligations of the state. We have dot obligations of future f- fuel tax revenues are gonna be paying off this debt.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They're obligated, the tow road debts that have been created, the local obligations from communities on other projects. uh, We've amassed quite a bit. And we see, looking forward in time, that the new construction is gonna rapidly diminish unless we come up with a solution. And the solution is not issuing another bond issue. And the solution is not doing what we've done in the past again, uh, we have to come up with new uh, uh, real solutions and everyone here has been looking at it and understands that.
0: Is there some obvious place to go for solutions here? Is there some obvious? We don't have to go in order. You guys can interrupt each other. Well,
3: but, well I mean, before we get to that point, we still have to define some of these issues and educate people, because you're exactly right. We've had a lot of growth. We, the, you know, we see a lot of, lot of construction. The public doesn't know that. They also don't, un, don't understand that the gas, our gas sales tax doesn't go up whenever the price of gas goes up. There's a lot of of information that are not out there, um, and they are very price sensitive. And we've got a whole new crop of members in the House that say uh, you've got to stop the diversions, because we hear about diversions. But at the same time, when I look at the list of diversions, and it's primarily going to DPS, uh, and the Constitution says policing roads, uh, construction, maintaining policing roads, we can't say, some people may not want DPS on the roadway sometimes, but, but nonetheless, they're a part of There's that. Parts of it. <laughs> and so. That's where I am. That's exactly, you know, and so, th- so that's about $1.1 billion. And if you look at that and you say, okay, we could probably find $300 million out of that, that's going to pay for labs to monitor drugs, money to go down to border enforcement. But when you look at the whole of it, I mean, we, we would love, we probably have all had a bill or, or been involved with a bill to say that diversion's got to end and we're going to only make it for building and maintaining we probably have all had that uh, but that's the challenge I mean and we and so there are going to be a lot of people that aren't considered want to consider solutions until they understand what really is diverted because we don't have any this last time if you look at the budget there really are not any diversions that aren't roadway related somehow or DPS related right. you know when, when people say that uh, you know the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles now is a diversion. Well, wait a second. They used to be part of TXDOT. That wouldn't have been. That's 288 million dollars. They they're the ones that do the registration and license plates, and, and that's the cost of it. There's a cost of doing that. You right. know, I don't see that as a diversion. So that's why we have to start. You know, we as leaders have to communicate uh, with with the legislature and make sure they understand really what we're looking at. So then we can get past the diversion issue, and then go to the next step of saying. What are some of those other things that, uh, you know, uh, are opportunities? Look, look,
4: what he's saying is, is is accurate in the sense that we can make an argument, and do, you know, people do make arguments about how this money is is connected, and it's and, and nobody is saying that it's illegal. Mm-hmm. Right? No, no, it's connected, and nobody's saying it's Ill, an illegal diversion. The problem with it is is that. Everything that's on that list are things that probably we would vote in a budget to do. We just need to be more transparent and honest and, and, and then go ahead and make the decisions about funding it. Um, and that's <coughs> across the board in the budget. I mean, you've heard me talk about that, but this is one of the specific areas. And everybody seems to be in agreement that we need to, quote, stop the diversion, right. even if we can make good arguments about it. It's just that then nobody has the political guts to do it. Your question was about a specific type of funding source, and I think it's appropriate to, to, to talk about some of those. I agree that there's going to have to be a lot of education. I also agree that before you can put those funding sources into place, we ought to have budget reform generally so that the people can trust it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the people can trust that their money will go to specific purposes now anyway, but, but one of the things that's been talked about, and I really take my hat off to him, is uh, uh, Tommy Williams, Senator Tommy Williams, who until recently, was chair of the Senate Transportation Committee. I'm vice chair of that right now, and Senator Nichols serves on it and has, uh, since he and I both came in the Senate together, uh, and now Senator Williams has been appointed chair of,
0: of the, the Senate. He's gone, from, he's gone from asking for money to doling it out. Yeah, so, so we'll see how that works. Um, uh, but,
4: but, uh, but he really did something that I think was visionary and, and really took some leadership, and that is he put out the idea that if you look at the gas tax, we all know, we've talked about the gas tax, it, it stayed pretty much the same. And, and the chairman has, has, has commented on how uh, over time, the gas tax has really changed because of fuel efficiencies mm-hmm. and electric, electric cars and all of that. So I could actually make an argument that the gas tax, while we probably still ought to figure out a way to index it, right. um, really is not the best way to fund right. the future. It, it's, it, it, we probably should have done something about it years ago but today in 2012, and as we go into a 2013 session, the gas tax may be an old way of doing things. But a vehicle registration fee, and that's what Senator Williams, Chairman Williams put out as a potential way of providing financing. Right. He pointed out that you know Texas uh, isn't on the high end of vehicle registration fees.
1: 44th uh, in the country.
4: 44th in the country. And, and, and as the representative also just pointed out, um, that hadn't really been changed since 1985. 85. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I've said in a lot of places, one of the great things about Chairman Williams stepping out there that way is he has the credentials. He not only has the credentials as an expert in the area of transportation, having served as chair of the Senate committee, but he also has the credentials that nobody's going to look at him and say, wow, that's a wild <laughs> tax and spend uh, liberal. Right. You know, this is a guy who's very frugal and very smart in the way the state spends its money. So I really think we ought to be talking more about something like that. I'm worried that that got out there, it caught a little fire, and now you don't see it as much. But that would be something that we ought to be talking
0: about. Do the politics, and I don't want to get into a whole thing on the Tea Party or anything, but do the politics right now argue against solutions? You know, John Corona, the senator from Dallas, went out in front and said, you know, maybe we ought to have local option taxes. Maybe we ought to do indexing. I think Vicki Truett went out in front on, on some of that and then came back, both of them came back with a bunch of arrows in their back. Um, do the politics right now argue against having these conversations about, you know, if you want this, it costs this, you got to do, you know, you know, you can take this to education, you can take this to any number of things, but on transportation specifically, um, how do you negotiate You can't get away from the
1: politics of the issue, but you know, I prefer to talk about it in in terms of investment. Uh, Two years ago, uh, Chairman Phillips and I uh, did a study on on the cost of doing nothing. And we found out that on average, every Texas household pays about $1,500 a year in wasted fuel, loss of productivity, stuck in traffic. more wear and tear on their vehicles, repairs, that sort of thing, about $1,500 across the state per year. If we do nothing, and we keep the same income stream, that cost is going to escalate to $5,300 a year in the year 2030. So every Texas household will spend directly or indirectly about $5,300. So the question became, how much can we invest in transportation infrastructure today? to bring down that cost curve, and the and we looked at around $60, which would be uh, the increase in the vehicle registration fees, what would that $60 investment do to bring down that cost curve? And amazingly, it brought it down to $2,700. So if you if you change the dichotomy of the conversation from a tax or fee to investment in road infrastructure, does that change the politics of it? You don't have to a cost savings of, of uh, $2,600 by a $60 investment. So that's the challenge. How do, we, how, do we, how do we bring the point across that we're actually investing in our transportation infrastructure? Mm-hmm. We're not simply raising To people. save money.
2: We're saving
1: money. We're saving. What well,
4: Representative Darby is saying is very smart because what he's talking about is the hidden tax. The hidden tax is the, the, the cost, the, the, the cost of doing nothing, as he says. Everything from safety uh, to wear and tear on the car, the kinds of things he's talking about. One of the best bits of testimony I've ever heard, wearing my mayor hat, wearing my state senator hat, ever, was given by uh, one of the HEB's top officials. I mean, he, did, he did a brilliant job of talking about the hidden tax of when they're trying to transport the, the the food they sell, when they're trying to get it out to the stores, and they're stuck in traffic, and they have the additional transportation costs, they have the additional uh, fuel costs, they have all of the, the time, labor, and all that, and how that gets added into the cost of food that I then buy—that there the, the hidden tax. And so,
1: fifteen the, cents for a gallon of milk.
4: There you example. go. So huh. so so the. That's a very, what he's saying is, is very smart and very <coughs> important to how uh, this gets communicated. Too often, I think, those, when looking at politics, look at just one side of the equation and want to seek the political benefit of saying they're holding the line. Sometimes when they're holding the line, they're
0: costing you money. So you guys are all politicians. When you go to town hall meetings and you talk to no, people these about are all this. statesmen. Well, okay, y'all you you all are... You all are <laughs> before you were statesman, when you were politicians, you may remember that part. <laughs> uh, when you go to town hall meetings and you talk to people and you know, some of them are price sensitive and some of them want roads, some of them want low taxes, whatever they mm. want, you talk to them and you walk them through some of this stuff, does that sell? And the second part of that question is, if it does sell, how do you, how do you talk to a bigger population so you can actually get something done as statesman?
2: Let me say that in the past, I have always found that once people understand what the tax or fee goes to, the service it provides, and they understand that, and they feel like they need it, transportation's something people do need, they're willing to go there. Mm -hmm. What they don't understand is when there is a dedicated revenue stream to build something like infrastructure, and then they find out that the fees are being diverted, like Senator Watson was talking about, Mm they get upset and uh, uh, we get upset. And so they will tell you real quickly and we need lots of ideas. Well, why do we want to go more there until we solve this problem? So I totally agree with Senator Watson. We need to go in and help uh, reform uh, some of the diversions uh, that have been going on Uh, collectively. uh, I know I began waving that flag on diversions and doing diversion charts, what they've all seen back in 97, 99, 14, 13 years ago, bring it to the attention of the legislature because I don't think a lot of the members were aware. Mm -hmm. Some were, but most of them really never got into those details. And they all agreed we needed to quit doing this. And then the next year it got worse, and then we'd wave the flag. The next year it got worse, wave the flag. And every once in a while, it drops down a little bit. But then we'll get into a real hard year, a tough, tough budget like last session, and then they robbing hey, what, what, for Peter to pay Paul, and then here it goes again.
3: Well, let me, let me challenge you on that, Senator, because we, we have to have this conversation among us, because $232 million over the next two years of driver's license fees are going to go pay for the Texas Mobility Fund bonds. So are we diverting from DPS? Because DPS are the ones that issue those licenses. I mean, that's the thing that... It, it, it's not just to say that money's going to DPS, because that's the main diversion that we have. Driver's record fees, $116 million. That's going to pay the Texas Mobility Fund. And, and, you know, the vehicle inspection fees, $184 million. DPS is in charge of monitoring that. Right. So w- we're going to have to get this diversion thing put to bed. And I know you and I right. bo- have both had constitutional amendments to deal with this. And if we can find a way to do that, lock down what's in Fund 6, then we can go to those next discussions. But until we solve, get these things where we're all on the same page, I, I don't know that you can go to the next step. I don't think the public will let you. We also had, uh, you know, six years of, of TxDOT mm-hmm. uh, having arrows slung at it every, all the time, and the public's not ready to trust anything, and I think we're getting past that. And these gentlemen up here have paid a big play, part of that and others to – work through TxDOT, help them get to be a more transparent agency, to get them to be a uh, an agency that the public can start trust. We're not there yet. So that's why some of these discussions may be premature, even though we may need to act on it sooner than we're going to be able to educate.
4: Can I say one thing about sure. the education part? Of um, one of the things that I thought was done very well last session was the Rider 42 mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the budget and and rider forty two, there's a whole lot it of walk us through
0: that a little bit. It's a, it's a great band name, but, uh. um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, um,
4: it, it was a rider in the budget that came just after rider forty one and just before <laughs> rider forty three. Um, and um, and really, let's talk about that's, 41 that's good and 43 they got for a second. Um, yeah, um, but but what it what it did was it said it it, it kind of played on this philosophy that we need to focus and we need to educate. Um, and so what it said is let's look at the top most congested roads in the, in the state. Let's identify the most congested roads in the state and let's put some money toward studying those roads during the interim. And then what we can do in and, 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 and every area had has, the most where you have the most congested roads, of course, um, has has a process that's been set up to look at how you deal with with things like uh, uh, engineering and planning for what you could do on some of those roads. Maybe purchase a right away. Also, though, looking at mitigation type of activity for congestion, better uh, better ways of managing, doing traffic management, um, and and then what I, what prompted me to say it though, what bring it up was that also, how do you do a better job of communicating to the public and getting public input so that you have public buy-in? And, and, and frankly, I think that's been one of the best things that has come out of Rider 42, because I think it'll also help TxDOT do a, a better job. And the, and the Texas Transportation Institute is, is who's in charge of all of that. What's, what I, Again, what prompted me to bring it up was the education part of it. They're working very diligently to help Create better mechanisms for communication <laughs> and better mechanisms for gaining that input. But since we're talking about it, I'll just mention one other aspect to that. What my hope is is that now that there had been there's been money appropriated under that rider, and there's been so much good work going on during this interim, with a report due, um, I guess in November. November, right? So that we will have uh, right,
0: right after that date, the sixth. What, Election. I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. remember what that is, but yeah. um,
4: um, but but something's coming up, I right. guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, right after yeah right after yeah. the election, so that nobody has to deal with it. But but what it boils down to is, it's a report to the legislature. And what my hope is that two things come out of that. Number one is the focus will be meaningful, so that we can come back to the legislature and we can say, okay, guys, we actually spent real good money to try to do some planning, and here's some of the solutions that we ought to now expressly fund to build upon that good work that was done during the interim, so that you don't have this um, fear of just putting money out there and, and not knowing where it goes. You can actually target it and focus it. The second thing is that my hope is, and I go back to the local option, I, you know, I will tell you that local option is probably not the best statewide policy, but it is certainly at a time when in some of these congested areas you really need some help. I, I truly believe that ought to be available to people Well, if you've studied the most congested roadways in certain specific areas and you've got results, maybe you could allow for option, local option, to deal with those so that um, uh, we might address those faster
0: and better. Is there an example of that? Is there a place?
4: Well, one place I might look at would be uh, this little road, uh, Interstate 35, um, that runs through Right. My Senate district, <laughs> um, yeah.
0: Well, I, I'm curious, if, you know, a couple of things. I want to I move into, you know, some of the bigger transportation things, you know, like uh, Panama Canal and that kind of thing. But, but while we're on this, is the public generally happy or unhappy, as you read it, with what's going on right now? There, there's, there's some dirt flying in, in places around the state. There's a lot more toll roads than there were 10 years ago. Uh, gas taxes are the same as they were. Um, there's a lot more money that's been borrowed. There's these private firms in. Is the public happy with the way it's going right now? Are they sort of like, you know, you guys are doing a pretty good job or what do you sense out there?
1: I don't sense that they're happy, uh, at my part of the world, uh, we've seen a lot of oil and gas, expo- exploration, uh, uh, the state is benefiting greatly from right. the, uh, this exploration, but it's bringing costs, uh, destruction to our county road systems out. In- in my part of the world, the incidents of, of serious injury and deaths are, are phenomenal. Uh, some of the most congested uh, farm-to-market roads in the state are in West Texas right now, and uh, and I know and I appreciate the uh, the senators uh, ha- having have to come to Austin. And I see the traffic in Austin. I know there's frustration here. Um, every day, if you have to try to get on Mopac or i 35, you see, you see, and sense of frustration, people want us to do something. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I keep reminding the folks in West Texas, I said, San Angelo, in particular, doesn't enjoy a, a very busy seaport, we don't have a lot of sea traffic in San Angelo, it's not working out, for it's you. It's not working out. And, and you know, we don't have a very big uh, airline hub. The way we get our goods and services to market with our good roads. And when we don't have good roads, people are not going to come, they don't, they won't live in your area. Forget about the water issue and some other issues. But but the reality is good roads bring people and businesses to your area. And you that's how you get your goods and services back out. So uh, the challenge is trying to harness that up there's about a billion dollars in farm to market roads that the state maintains right now that need we need working on. There's when another you say $1 billion
0: dollars, there's a billion dollars that needs to be done, or there's a billion dollars. There's a
1: billion dollars worth of work that needs to be done yeah. on our farm to market system that the state has responsibility for. Right. There's another billion that the counties have responsibility for. And and that is the challenge. Counties are struggling. How do we fix our roads? Our options are limited. But the oil and gas traffic that's benefiting primarily the state in our severance taxes is uh, we're have the county road systems are having to bear that burden. So how do we address their problems? Mm -hmm. And 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 so they're not happy. At least they're not happy. My part of the world uh, they they're frustrated, they want to see some things done. County judges are passing resolutions all over West Texas, uh, saying the legislature needs to do something to address uh, our infrastructure
0: needs for our roads so they're all all happy in East Texas
2: though oh let me (laughs) they're happy with their state senator (laughs) yeah (laughs) fortunately most of them are the uh, before we get off the funding because I know you're gonna probably go to a different topic I'd like to say that the public expects us to come up with a solution Mm -hmm. a solution that makes sense that will work long term the vehicle registration issue uh make has very positive aspects because it is transportation related regardless of fuel source it increases it's, it's attached to the number of vehicles that are out there and so on so that has good merit there as you look around for other long-term and i think we need a statewide solution uh uh that's the better well way back that's up the better and way. start working no locally we're kind of giving up because a rising tide lifts all ships mm-hmm. it needs to our state needs to stay connected and as you identify what issues should this meet, uh, you'll see that for long-term planning so that you can have an assembly line uh, 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 of engineering right away, environmental transportation project, that's what made the department so successful in our state system so great is we had a constitutionally dedicated revenue stream like fuel taxes. Other states don't have that. Uh, it's just gotten away from because it wasn't uh, floating with inflation. So the key elements uh, 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 we need to come up with is it needs to be long-term predictable revenue stream. So you can look out five, eight, ten years. Uh, it needs to be transportation related, not something somewhere else that you bring in. It needs to be related to the vehicles and the traffic. Uh, it has got to be constitutionally dedicated. If you do not constitutionally dedicate it, they'll, in bad years, it will get robbed and you lose your predictability. As we look around uh, to try to see, and it needs to automatically adjust with inflation, the number of units, irregardless of revenue, I mean, a fuel source and all those kind of things. And as you look out there, there are we collecting any transportation related fees right now that meet that definition And the answer is yes, we are. If you look at the sales tax, the public pays on a vehicle right now. It's about six and a half percent. Goes into the general fund. It's transportation related. It's a pretty large number. Uh, It automatically adjusts for inflation. It doesn't care if it's gasoline, diesel, electric, natural gas or whatever. If we could somehow another constitutionally dedicate the current sales tax that we collect on vehicles, and constitutionally dedicated to the transportation system that is dependent upon, I think we'd hit a home run.
0: How much money are you taking out of GR to do that?
2: Uh, well, let me you just say, just it depends. Uh, we I filed a bill last session toward the. It's About two billion. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe uh, I think a little bit more than that. Yeah, it's it's more than that. The uh, but let me just say, first of all, I know that if you did it in one budget year, you would wreck that budget. You need time to adjust it. Uh, so the way I had proposed it was the budget that we're gonna be all working on next session <coughs> is for the two years going out. Right. You would skip those two years on this because the voters have to approve it after we leave uh, Austin anyway, and that it would kick in after that two year period in the next biennium. And then you would phase it in over a 10 year period. You would also allow that revenue stream to pay The principal and interest of the bonds that went to transportation that are already in GR and that's about 350 million a year and if you run those numbers out it doesn't look like a lot of money early on the first three or four years virtually not a whole lot of impact to the department I mean the state budget it starts really kicking in year four or five but knowing there's a constitutionally dedicated revenue stream it would hit under last year's numbers, about two and a half billion, the department could automatically book and begin working on over 10-11 billion dollars of project in that period of, for that period of time. They begin the environmental, they could uh, do the right-of-ways, the engineering, and all those kind of things. And when the real construction hit, that's when that revenue stream kicks in. So
0: would be back to pay as you go, or yeah. something like that.
2: And Inflation goes on, and I think we're fixing it. An inflationary spiral in a few years, it will automatically adjust instead of uh, attaching uh, uh, to one energy source and uh, uh, those kind of things. Anyway, I you, think,
3: uh, and, and those are the kind of ideas that we need to think about. And I think that's something that's something that we could get on. Uh, I think and get some strong support in the House to to because again. I was going to ask, because you've yeah, got I, a much different house coming in. Yeah, well, I think for, for this, again, because that's not saying we have to raise taxes. That's saying we're going to direct the, the revenues mm-hmm. of the taxes that we receive and put it to where it's more transparent, where, where it should go, or where it's logical to go so people know when I pay that, that's what we do. I, before we leave this funding issue, I wanted mm-hmm. to say uh, our local communities have done a fantastic job, I think, trying to, to help, because they've, they've been the brunt of, of this congestion, the, the the major metro areas. And some of the communities I think are a little behind others. And if you come to North Texas, the Dallas Fort Worth area, it's amazing what they've done. And they've done that through partnership working together and trying to work with TxDOT And it hadn't always been and, and working with the toll authority up there. It's not always been a bed of roses but but they're at a pretty good place right now because the dedication and hard work that they've done uh is achieving a lot and uh And the rest of the state needs to see that as model. I know in the Houston, Harris County area, they've done a lot of that. A lot of it has done with tolls. I mean, that's been a part of it. And then in in our neck of the world or up in North Texas, uh, tolling is something that's pretty acceptable and it's something that people use a lot. Now, there always has to be a free alternative. You know, there has to be those safeguards in place, but tolling has made a big impact in North Texas. And without that, uh, we would be in a, a, in a lot worse shape than we are, mm-hmm. and so they've taken tech stop money and added it with tolling money, and they've been able to expand and multiply by billions the impact of what we've done. So I have to applaud those local those those are the local governments driving that and working with us. And hopefully, we're hearing from them. Last session, a lot of the environmental the the, the environmental change uh, process change that we've we've gone yeah, through, and uh, uh, th- you're going to hear about it that. I think maybe some this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've worked really hard to, uh, you know, uh, that that was a lot that came straight from the from bottom, the local from town. the local, and we need to get out of their way and make it. Better. Williamson
4: County Commissioners played yep. a big role in that, that legislation. No, I think everybody, by the way, is in agreement. I think it's very important. Everybody's in agreement that the best policy is a state policy, and as Senator Nichols laid out the kind of the criteria of what you look at, I think that's a very good, that's a very good set of rules that we ought to be looking at. The reason I, I come back to local option, and, I, and I, I agree, the best option is to do this on a, with a state policy that makes sense along the lines of what Senator Nichols laid out. Right. The problem is I, I, we've been talking about this a long time, and I, my confidence level is kind of like some of my constituents <laughs> in the state doing it. I mean, right. everybody likes to talk pretty about it, but then the, the guts it takes to do it right seems to fall off once We all show up in in January of of odd-numbered years, and my position has been on local, and the reason I think it ought to be state is you don't want to create winners and losers in the state, Mm -hmm. Um, but part of the reason I keep, I do come back to local option is, maybe it's the old mayor in me, but if the state's not going to live up to its obligations and meet its responsibilities, then get out of the way.
0: So is local option sort of an interim solution? Well, while, while these guys are trying to get a statewide plan together? Well,
4: I, I see it as one of the tools mm-hmm. that we might ought to have, and I think Rider 42 may offer us a focused opportunity on that.
0: Okay. Let's open it up for some audience questions, if you all have some. Um, anybody, just raise a hand up and we'll... Anybody? So the question, everybody hear that? How are trucks coming out of Mexico and places? There's a couple of microphones. We already that. Um, we can. It's
1: a small enough room. We don't need to. but Well, well trucks. Uh, there's about three million of those trucks come come through our border, and uh, we charge an inspection fee. Uh, the problem is that those inspection fees go to the local counties. Uh, TechStock and DPS do those inspection services, but they don't actually recoup the, their true costs. Uh, to do those inspections. So I think, again, this is a mosaic, I think we're going to have to look at a lot of things to blend. Uh, I agree with the senator's position on perhaps dedicating the sales tax, but that the reality is that's two and a half billion dollars that we're not going to fund schools or we're not gonna, we're not going to, uh, you know, help our nursing homes and our elderly. Uh, So that's, that's always the challenge is balancing priorities. So we have to look at and I don't, I, this is such a complex issue, I think we need a mosaic of solutions. And we need to look at our vehicle inspections on these, these uh, trucks passing through the border and actually recoup the true cost to inspect them and put that burden on the shippers who are using those trucks to actually re- recoup the cost to Dot and DPS for those inspection services. Somebody else?
0: Bill? Uh, Senator Nichols
1: appreciate all your efforts and everybody's on the panel's uh, efforts. But, you know, for years, people have talked about ending the diversion. And uh, very little, if anything, has happened. I mean, there's been some modification. And isn't your proposal on the sales tax just pretty much analogous to, in effect, ending the diversion? And, you know, the probability of success, based on recent history, is, is not very good, as opposed to going ahead and doing something like raising the vehicle registration hundred percent of that money goes to roads and it's already been stated that 50 bucks a year versus $1,500 or whatever the cost is going to be would go a long way towards doing that and have to put a billion dollars into the system immediately
2: any revenue stream that we go for that we're going to try to put in there we're always going to have to work to see that there's not a diversion so the uh, the issue of diversion is going to be true on any revenue stream that we can all get together and support the, uh, the reason I was trying to identify that particular proposal was with the political climate we have right now, uh, with people, are, are people going to view it as a tax increase or a fee increase? It would pretty, be pretty substantial. And is the political will at the governor's office? You know, he has a state compact, no new taxes. Uh, is he going to veto it, yes or no? Uh, because it's not going to just accidentally uh, slip through. It's going to be very noticeable. And if the members uh, are being told that he will, well, then they're not going to want to support that. They're going to want to support something else. The speaker uh, has come out and says that he would like to see the fees and revenues for a service go to that service. It certainly matches that. Uh, Capturing uh, those sales tax uh, uh, also, uh, it's, meets the governor's compact. So it's not a new tax race, it's dedication of a revenue stream for roads and bridges. And the, remember me talking about the assembly line, it takes three and a half years to get And an, uh, I know Senator Watson, I'm a co-author, to bill to help speed up the environmental process. Yeah. But uh, it takes a several, a number of years to get the environmental process, get the engineering work, get the right-of-way, you know, those kind of things, before you can actually see the construction dirt moving. And so if you had that money right now for those new projects, it would still be three or four years. And so timing that in and knowing you've got that cash when you need it, you can go ahead and start on those projects. The uh, I, I think the structural impact Uh, timing-wise, comes out about the same. Do the four of you
0: read the governor's compact as a pre-veto?
2: I'm sorry, I haven't read the governor's compact. (laughs) All right. Do you (laughs) interpret the governor's (laughs) compact?
0: Do you you see this as a pre-veto of anything like a fee increase? I mean, he says in his compact, I don't want any tax increases. Um, When you're looking at that from a legislator's chair, does that mean you're going to leave the vehicle maintenance fees. Alone. I didn't
1: necessarily read the word fee in that compact.
0: Well, it doesn't say the word okay. fee. I've, I've actually I've read it uh, so that you won't have to, but uh, Thank you. it has I'll read the tri- <laughs> I'll, I'll read the tribune and figure it, out. he, he it. talks about he talks about no new taxes, but doesn't talk about fees. And I'm just wondering, you know, what's been foreclosed here? What's the what's the pre veto? How do you read it?
2: Um, it the, the question is not just how he reads it, but also how the members read it. Well, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. And so We've got a lot of new members coming in, so right. there's going to be a pretty good survey. We've got them coming in the Senate and the House as well. Um, but things that are clearly within those bounds are things like uh, possibly the local option thing. Possibly, uh, is it a fee increase on vehicle registration fees or dedicating that re- revenue stream? Mm-hmm.
4: But but we ought to have that debate. That's fine. Yeah, we ought to have that debate. What what I don't what. I joke. I mean, right. uh, but 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 the the just because there there may be a compact that says no new taxes, right. you know, and maybe it is interpreted as no new fees, we would be remiss and maybe abdicating our responsibility as elected officials ourselves. And I, and I and I don't mean just the four of us. I mean all the new folks and everybody. If we don't show up and say, well, wait a minute, let's have that debate. Uh, I must admit that the, the thought that you could pass legislation through a legislative body that you don't pass simply because you fear that it might get vetoed, right. that's an abdication of our responsibility to have a vision for this state and then to debate the issues. The work that these two state representatives are doing running around the state, mm-hmm. working to try to educate and get educate. the input and telling folks, well, why would you do that if, if you think, well, that might just get vetoed, so we've we got to shut it down? I actually think that's one of the problems we have in the legislative process. The, the, I think we ought to have fiscal notes on everything, mm-hmm. but I don't agree with the idea that when you put a fiscal note on it and it's above a certain amount, well, we're not even going to give it a hearing. What that means is we're not discussing, debating, or trying to lead on the big issues of the state. It may be that you vote it down because of that fiscal note. Right. It may be that you vote it down because it is a new tax and you don't agree with the new tax. But fundamentally, we're elected to ask those questions, debate those issues, and maybe vote in the face of a potential veto.
0: Okay. Somebody
3: else? And let me follow up on that real okay. quick. Well, I'll get to you in just because, a second. Because, uh, you know, the principles of, that, of the budget compact. As a conservative, I support mm-hmm. and, uh, and and I think I think it's good that it's out there because we can have a discussion about it sure. If people will will discuss that. What does it mean? What is a tax? What, what is it to pay for? Would people pay more uh, for their driver's license so they don't have to wait in line for an hour, two hours, so they don't come up to Sh- Sherman to get their driver's license because they don't have to wait in line in Plano so long. I mean, those kind of things are happening. You know, those are questions, and we need to have that debate. So I, I think having a debate is, is, is not a bad thing. You know, we support those principles. We made the, the select committee uh, that, that I chaired uh, before the last session on transportation funding, we came to the point where we've, we started identifying the issues that we're, we've been discussing here today. Mm-hmm. And the question is, what was the solution to do immediately? Well, at that time, we were in the worst recession of any probably any by his lifetime in here, that was not the time to go for a major change or to, to do anything. I mean, that was not the right time. It may still not be the right time to make a major change in any of this. It's, it's, those are the debates we're going to have to have because we're still working through that. And, and I think that that compact can be used as signpost to help us as conservatives. Uh, think through and discuss these issues, and we need to do that. Because it, it doesn't say you can't do this, you can't do that. It has good principles for transparency uh, and, and make sure that we spend the money where we should. I mean, there's some good concepts mm-hmm. I think that we can all work around. It's just a matter of going to that next step, having a, a good debate about what's necessary.
1: Cross, the, uh, the the people who elected, 181 of us, expect us to come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. And I've told some of a lot of my colleagues uh, that no is not an answer is not a solution. Maybe an answer, but it's not a solution. And so the challenge will be how do how do the elected members of both bodies uh, handle the challenges that are facing Texas and come up with solutions that work and make sense. That will be the challenge. Had a question right there. Let me t- there's a lot of uh, meetings right now on how best they can do that they want to do that they are prepared to help pay for fixing these roads. The challenge is how best do they do that they don't want to build a new annex to a county jail. Right. They don't want to they don't want to add a pay rate uh, increase for the sheriff's department. They want to fix the road. So how can we involve private industry that wants and is eager to pay and recognizes that their equipment and their personnel are being in jeopardy, put in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. So they want to pay. Uh, you know, I think Texodot has spent about 40 million in the Eagleford and the Barnett shale. Uh, that's a mere drop, and that's a good start, as they say. But that's a mere drop in, start, mm-hmm. say, but, uh, mere drop, uh, in the bucket to what's going to have to be invested publicly and privately and countywide uh, to to fix this situation. So
3: and, and to follow up to make sure you know that uh, <laughs> trucks that is exceed a certain size have to pay an overweight permit. And there are different type of permits they can do. Uh, the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles now is responsible for that. We when we created them we they subsequently that's followed over to them from TxDOT. They issue about 2000 permits a day and during fiscal year 2011, they issued about 600, I mean 600,000 permits, and that was an 18% increase over fiscal year 2010. That's part of the economy coming back. Part of it's from the heavy equipment from uh, uh, the oil and gas industry, and that was about uh, 114 million dollars in permit fees. You know, so the question is that, you know, h- how does how does that translate into? Are, are they are they paying for that damage? Uh, and, and the part of the problem, and we know with, the, with these, uh, these in these rural areas with oil and gas, those roads just weren't meant, meant for even the heavy, the overweight trucks. And they have to get in there. And and the communities down there want them there because the county's getting more money in property right. taxes. This, you know, there, there's there's benefits to them, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to pay for it. Now, those of us that are oil and gas poor uh, up in some of my counties, I don't know that they want to pay a whole lot more in transportation fees so the folks down in eagle for sure eagle, eagle eagle for shale has an opportunity to have better roads i mean that's some of those that's when you start getting some of those issues you know out there
2: um we dug in that issue pretty good in our senate district uh, a couple a few years ago we have the haynesville shell in east texas and it's the uh, saltwater trucks and it's not so much the rigs it's the Routine runs by the saltwater trucks and stuff that are tearing up the roads. And so we started digging in uh, uh, To is there any current mechanism? uh, That we might look at that is proportional at a county level based on production that is not there If you're not having production and the closest thing we could find what were the severance? uh, fees or taxes uh, currently on gas and oil, that are coming what is out of the a ground? severance
3: fee? We explain that to people. Okay,
2: it's a. It's severance is a, it's you took minerals and you severed them from the land. So a number of years ago, you can call it a royalty that the state gets. Uh, it's a, I don't want to get. But that number has been fixed for uh, quite a number of years, and we went to the comptroller's office to see if is do we have these records by county. And yes, we do. We pulled the county records up for like 10 or 20 years on a lot of counties. And then we looked at it as a statewide issue. And if you, that mechanism could be used if you attached a road construction amount to it, or you dedicated a certain portion of that uh, to the counties that that production came out of for road repairs, Uh, that would, there, there's a lot of discussion to be going on to, for that, but the mechanism is there and it could be done. Uh, uh, when you start talking about touching the severance tax, people get pretty excited though. Uh, 25% goes to schools, the balance goes above a certain number to uh, the rainy day fund.
0: Gentlemen, we have blown through an hour. I really appreciate it. Could you give him a hand? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, go you to go to your next class I'm sure you must okay take. <laughs>